things turn out best for people who make the best of the way things turn out. That is a quote by John Wooden. Welcome to Trina Talk. Trina Talk is a weekly podcast that will inspire and empower women of all ages to strive for the impossible. Your host, Trina L. Martin from TrinaMartin.com is a motivational speaker, leader, and cybertech expert. Every week, Trina will share wisdom gained from her life experiences and lessons learned while pursuing her goals to inspire you to achieve the next level in your life. Now, your host, Trina L. Martin. Hello, welcome to Trina Talk. I am your host, Trina L. Martin, and this is episode 39. The topic this week is change the way you look at things. My guest this week is Tim C. Starr. Tim is a speaker, author, podcaster, and mindset missionary. Tim worked in the computer support industry for more than 20 years. Then in early February 2013, after 15 years working for the New York Life Insurance Company General Office in San Diego, he got a phone call telling him that that was his last day. Tim didn't work again for almost two years, but he didn't get depressed. He felt freed and relieved. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Trina. So you're a podcaster as well. You're an author, a public speaker. You're from Chicago, just as I am. Mm -hmm. Um, But you have an interesting story as far as your life before your podcast and everything. Can you go into detail and tell me about that? Sure. Um, I've been doing uh, IT work for 20 plus years and for really the whole time, um, except for a short period here recently, uh, for that whole period, I've been working as a contractor, which means that you're employed by one company, a staffing agency generally, and then you provide services for a third-party company. And I spent almost 15 years at the New York Life Insurance Company general office in San Diego, and uh, I was the only in-house support person there. And um, as a contractor, Normally, you ha- they have a contract that's uh, negotiated between the, the company you work for and the company you're providing the services for. And every year, generally, it, it gets uh, renegotiated. Um, sometimes it's a different time frame, but generally it's every year. So about six years ago, we were going through that process, and it was delayed. It was probably a month past when it was supposed to have been finalized. And uh, my rep in New York had been telling me all along, you know, don't worry, just like every other year, it's a done deal, nothing to worry about, you got a job, you know. And then one day my phone rang in early February, and it was him, and he said, uh, I'm sorry to tell you this, but they've taken everything off the table, they told me to tell you today's your last day, go home. So, um, you know, needless to say, it was unexpected, um, it was not out of character for them and how they do business, but I, I didn't expect it to happen. So I packed up all my stuff, and I went home to uh, a wife who was already unemployed. And so for a couple of months, that made things kind of interesting at home. Um, but she went back to work, and, and I 
I took a little time off because I really hadn't had a vacation in a long time. Because when you're a contractor, if you don't go to work one day, you don't get paid for that day. There is no pay time off, sick time, holidays, nothing. So you tend to just work. And uh, so I hadn't had what I felt like was a real vacation in quite some time. So I decided I was just going to relax for a little while, not worry about it. And uh, then I started looking for work. And um, it took me almost two years to find a job. And uh, the whole job scene and, and search scene had changed and it was much more difficult. And so what happened to me somewhere during that time frame, I, I realized that what the quote unquote experts say is supposed to happen to a middle-aged man when he loses his job unexpectedly did not happen to me. And the, the commonly accepted rule is that you're going to get depressed. You're going to start questioning, you know, what's, what's your value in society? If I'm not this anymore, who am I? What am I? And, um, you know, it's just a bunch of ugly stuff. And none of that happened to me. Um, I was feeling pressure. And the longer the time went, the more pressure I felt about trying to find a job. But, um, and I didn't have any great amount of money to, to sit on. So, but I didn't get depressed. And I didn't feel like, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't questioning who am I now if I'm not this. And so when that became a conscious awareness for me, then I thought, well, okay, why not? Why don't I feel these things? And the answer was really simple. It, it came from the way I viewed life in general. And I just didn't see things the way, apparently, the typical American male sees things. And certainly not the way they said I was supposed to see things. And so then, I, okay, why not? And it really just came out of stuff that I had been consuming since I was a kid. My mother was a, a seeker for answers, you know, all of her life. And when I was a teenager, she used to share, she used to read all this stuff. And for the younger people out there, there's a way, but the internet was not even a, in anybody's imagination yet. So you had to go to the library to, to read a book, you know, and she used to share a lot of these things with me. And so I got exposed to a lot of the, what we now call, you know, thought leaders, um, at a pretty early age. And, um, I would read it because I thought the stuff was interesting and I didn't probably didn't have a lot of resistance to the ideas that they were presenting. If they said, um, you know, whatever position you're in today, it's your own, I don't want to use the word fault, but it's your own responsibility. You got there through choices that you made and actions that you took. And, you know, the flip side of that is it's the same for where you're going to be tomorrow. It's all dependent on you and what you decide to do. And I didn't take that and go, well, I don't like to hear what that is. You know, uh, you know, I, I'd sort of chewed on it for its value. And, and if it made sense to me, I, I, at some level incorporated it. And, um, over time, you know, that stuff changes your mind. And so when this big life event happened to me, I just didn't have the, the kind of reaction to it that I was, you know, in quotes again, supposed to have. So, um, from there, then I just started, um, I finished my first book while I was unemployed and I just somewhere started thinking that, you know, if I can learn these ideas and keep myself from, uh, grief, 
um, you know, other people can do it. And I certainly know a lot of people who, who need to, to do it. And so I thought I'll start, uh, you know, let me see how I can spread this. And so that's sort of through a winding path has taken me to uh, where I'm at today and, and um, doing podcasting and, and speaking and, and things along that line. And you and me. Yeah. And that's very interesting because I do things just like you do. I'm, you know, a podcaster, speaker. I'm in the process of writing my book and I've done a lot of self-work myself and I've kind of come to exactly what you were saying is um, it's a mindset thing. Absolutely. So my question for you is you said, you know, your mom basically kind of um, you kind of were fed off of your mom, you know, you're going to the library and reading books and things like that. Did you know that you were always that type of person or did it take this circumstance for you to realize that, okay, um, I'm not going to be depressed and think that the world is coming to the, to an end. I, you know, this stuff is just whatever your mindset is, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever your age, it's a result of years and years and years of, of programming. And the way that I look at it is, you know, an analogy is it's sort of like taking a, a, let's say a kitchen table and it's just raw wood. It's untreated. It's brand new. And you put a layer of, of just a thin coat of shellac on it. Right. And it's so thin, you really, you can't even hardly see it but you're starting to protect that table. And then every day you put another thin layer on there, another thin layer, another thin layer. Over time, it, it, it builds up to the point that, you know, it's, it's three feet thick and you can't see the table anymore. So to counteract that, if you want to get rid of that shellac, you generally, and there's maybe there's shortcuts for different things, but generally speaking, you've got to start taking off those layers sort of one by one. And you start working back in the other direction. So it all, it takes time. Um, in my experience, people are not able to make tremendous changes in how they see the world overnight. Um, uh, so it's, it's just a, it's a time process. It's, it's an accumulative thing that, um, and that's my answer, I guess. It's, it's the short answer is it's cumulative. It's not some instant thing that you realize and go, oh, I see the light now and now suddenly I'm a different person. Mm-hmm. You've got lots of programs that are running and they're not going to just stop running instantly. You have to, you have to counteract them. Right. Right. So when that situation happened to you, how did you get to the point of writing a book? Because you said, okay, you lost your job. Mm-hmm. You weren't depressed, but I would imagine just like any other family, like you said, your wife was out of work for a little bit and I'm pretty sure there was a, some stress as far as home life. Um, so how did you get past that and keep your, keep your, um, keep your sanity, help, you know, have your wife keep hers. And then you said, okay, cause you were out of work for two years. Yeah. So how did you finally, everything smoothed out and then you say, you know what, I'm going to take this time and write this book. How did you get there? You know, I've. I've always enjoyed writing. Um, it's work, but uh, there are times when it's just fun to do. 
And um, I'd had this idea. So I had an idea that came to me. I don't even know when it's years earlier. And, you know, most ideas come and, and uh, you think, oh, this is great. And then, you know, you give it a day or two and, and uh, it's not so shiny anymore. And this was an idea that just wouldn't go away. And so I had time on my hands. So I said, all right, let's, let's see, you know, and I started up the computer and, and started my uh, word processor and, and I just had just this little nugget of an idea and I started writing and I wrote the first, probably at least the first half, probably two thirds of the book all in one sitting. It just kept coming. And, um, and then it, stopped and it took me then another two years to finish it or something close to that. So, um, it, it, people have told me, Oh, well you were channeling it. Maybe, I don't know. Um, I do know that sometimes I go back and I look at pieces of the book and, and certain parts of that section. Um, I remember doing it, but I, it's kind of like, it wasn't me. It's an interesting experience. So what, what was your book about? Uh, it's called My Name is Prosperity. And it's, it's written in the first person. Um, I go to a party on a, a big estate in Texas. And where I, it just turns out that I end up there and I don't know anybody. And uh, I meet a woman there who may or may not be a real person. And over the course of a long weekend, she, she has lessons to teach me, but she also introduces me to three other people who have their own lessons in different areas. And um, it's a, essentially their law of attraction lessons. Okay. That, that sounds very interesting. So you call yourself a mindset missionary. Mm. So tell me about that. And I think you've already touched on it and I, and I, I think I know where you're going to head, but um, Let's yeah. See if I can found you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you said it is all already. It's all about mindset. I mean, and I have this thing about when we speak, people say a lot of things and leave off the, the tail end of, the, really what they're saying, right? So uh, a phrase like or a sentence like, uh, it's all about uh, mindset. You need to have a, a, a better mindset. What's left off of there is if you want to be happy, right? Or if you want to do this, if you want to do that. It's sort of assumed that the person on the other side knows what we're saying. But I think for the most part, people don't truly know. And my belief is that what we all really only want out of life is to be just blissfully happy. And if, if, you know, if we were the village idiot just walking around with a giant grin on our faces all day long and the world was falling apart around us, but we didn't care, we'd be happy and it wouldn't matter. Everything else doesn't matter. And the thing is we don't we don't generally tend to think that far into this idea and people argue with me on whether or not you know i'm going down the right road and that's okay but i believe that every decision that we make and every action that we take is really based on at some level an expectation that's going to make us happier 
And it, the logic behind the decision may or may not be any good, mm-hmm. but it's still the reason that we, you know, it's the reason we jump. It's the reason you jump into the pool on a hot summer day. Mm-hmm. It feels good. You, you, it makes you happy. And it's why you listen to music. It's also the reason why people walk into traffic. They think they're going to be happier by getting run over. It's poor, it's poor logic, right? At least according to the rest of us. But it's, it's, it doesn't change the reason that they do it. They think it's going to be better. Wow. Not that answers things for you or not. No, it does. But the mindset part, sorry, it is really is just about, um, you know, if, if you want to be happier than you are today, and, and that's, I think we're, that's all we want really is, is to be happier today than we were yesterday and to be a little happier tomorrow than we are today. And ultimately we just build on that and you just want to be happier and happier and happier, but it takes effort. It takes, it takes a little work. It takes some, some, uh, awareness of what's going through your head. You know, you have to monitor your thoughts. You have to, have to be proactive about the, the stuff you take in. Um, you know, I, I, I rant about turning off the TV news, turn it off. It is doing nothing but killing you. you know? And, um, you know, if there's anything important that happens in the world, you're going to hear about it guaranteed. So, but if you want to be happier, you got to stop consuming all the junk that is shocking and, and ugly and makes you feel bad. It's that simple. Oh my God. It's <laughs> I do the exact same thing. Mm. I, I about probably about a couple of years ago, I stopped watching the news because I used to be a news junkie. So it used to be on all the time. And I just started being stressed, 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 having anxiety. And then one day, I was at my wits end and my kids, cause I'm a single mother. My kids had gone with their father and I said, you know what? This weekend I'm so exhausted. I'm not going to do, I'm not going to look at TV. I'm not going to answer the phone. And that was like, it was, it was like an epiphany to me. I was like, mm-hmm. Oh my goodness. I was like, I had so much peace and clarity for that weekend. And Monday morning I got up and I turned on the news and I felt myself tighten right back up again. Yep. So when you said don't turn on the news, stop watching the news, I'm going, yes, yes. That's, that's far and away, in my opinion, that is far and away the biggest problem that yes. we have in this society is that. Because they don't, because it's, all right, there's, this is such a huge conversation. Uh, what happens when you watch the news is they, they put up these stories that are shocking and you get this little jolt in your system. And it's, it's, uh, um, it doesn't feel good, but it's the same, it's the same family of chemicals that come when you have the fight or flight mechanism that kicks in that we have brought with us since we were, you know, first evolved into humans and and earlier, right? Um, uh, Do you know who Joe Dispenza is? Um, No, I don't. Dr. Joe Dispenza. Okay. He's, he was in, uh, I think the secret, either that or what the bleep do we know, but okay. um, he's got some fascinating stuff. He's, he's really sort of science-based around a lot of attraction things, um, but he talks really well about this idea that um, the example he gives is, you, you know, you, there's a zebra that gets attacked by a lion, <clears throat> excuse me, and, you know, the lion, like, tears one of the zebra's legs off, but the zebra gets away. And so obviously it had the fight or flight mechanism kicked in when it was attacked. 
but you know, 20 minutes later, it's out there grazing normally with the rest of the zebras. Right? Humans don't do that. The, the zebra, does, they don't have the conscious mechanisms that keep replaying what just happened. We keep reliving it. And so what happens to us is we keep getting those hormones that are, are injected into your system when that stuff happens and they come in an instant. That stuff keeps getting put right back into our, our bloodstream. And over time, these hormones degrade your, your organs. They, they destroy your body physically. And so when you're watching, as an example, the TV news, and they, you have not only the audio, the story that they're telling you, but they're showing it to you. Right? And they're building up how terrible it is. So you get this, oh, my God, how terrible is that? This happened to these people. Right? And you start sort of reliving that even though it didn't even happen to you. And you, you get these hormones into your system. Well, you, your system gets addicted to it. And so you keep seeking it out then. And so you, you are now addicted to something that is literally killing you, literally. And nobody tells us this, right? And the, and the news doesn't play. You, there, there have been... Uh, people have tried to do like internet based TV channel kind of things where it's nothing but good news right? and it's great intentions, but nobody watches. Mm -hmm. They fail every single time because there's no jolt from it. Mm. You can go and watch the, the, you know, kitten videos on the internet are huge because you get a little bit of a, you get that warm and fuzzy, mm -hmm. but for generally speaking, good news, it really doesn't trigger that stuff. You don't get the emotions going. And so it's much easier to trigger people's fear and, and pain. And that's what keeps people coming back and that's what pays the bills. And so that's why they do it. I totally agree. So you want to break free. You got you to do it. You got to understand what you're doing to yourself and, and consciously just pay attention to what you're consuming. Mm -hmm. And then and that extends out to who are the people you hang around with? Who do you talk to? What are the, what are the conversations you have with the people at work you know, with your family? Mm. You, know, you got that uncle that just can't quit complaining about, <laughs> you know, well, yeah, you know, my mother just, my mother lived and died thinking she was a victim of the world. <laughs> and uh, it was really tough, but it was, she, yeah, I'll go on like this forever. But a big piece of this is that uh, I mean, one of the reasons that I think, more people don't uh, don't go down this path is that when you start getting this information, one of the, the lessons that you hear is that it's all it's you're the one responsible. This didn't happen to you. Mm. You created it somehow. Mm -hmm. Right? You set yourself up to be in this position. And so if you if you accept that you created the situation or the position where you're at, then you also have to accept that whatever the results are going to be and wherever you're going to be, that's on you too. Mm -hmm. So now there's some responsibility in your life that you didn't have a minute ago. Oh. Generally with responsibility, we expect to get uh, blame and guilt and shame. Right? And nobody wants that. Mm -hmm. And so we don't, we don't want to accept the responsibility because it's got these friends that come along with it. <laughs> and, the good news is that when you're doing this sort of self-work stuff, those guys don't have to come to the party. 
but you do have to accept that you've got yourself where you're at and that it's going to be up to you to change it. But it doesn't have to be, you know, I, I tell people, you know, if you're feeling pain about, about something in your life right now, that's, you're already paying the price for the decision that you make, that you've already done your time. Just saying, yeah, I, yeah, this is on me doesn't mean that, well, now you got to start paying the penalty. You've already paid it. You're already in, in pain. So it's time now to put it, to drop it where it is and, and turn around and walk the other way. Start working on and going in a different direction. I love everything you're saying. And you're, I know you kept saying, oh, I can go on forever with it. I'm, mm. I'm right there with you because I have done that hard self-work and I know everything that you're saying is true mm. because I have family members that, like you were saying, your mother, my mother was one of those two that, you know, was a victim of the world. Everything was done to her. Um, and in, like you said, there's people, and I've had to let go of friends. I've stopped talking to family yeah. members because like you say, they're draining. I have talked to people on the phone. And then when I get off the phone, I feel like a bus has run over me. Yep. I'm yep, so, I'm yeah, I'm oh. so just I'm I'm going, oh, my goodness, I was having a good day until this person called me. Now, <laughs> now I feel like I just like you said, I felt like I went and played in the middle of the street and a bus just ran over me. Yeah. And finally, I realized I, I can't do this anymore. I cannot talk to this person anymore because they're they're always complaining and there's something negative. And I don't want that feeding into my world. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting because. um before cell phones, um, you know, it used to be it used to be expensive to make a long distance call. Mm -hmm. I remember those days. And uh, I moved out of the house. I was 17 years old. I was still a senior in high school. And my mother, um, that following summer, she moved to Arizona. And so our only uh, communication was on the phone, probably once a month. And the phone call would be exactly what you just described. It would be just her complaining about all this stuff in her life, you know, and I would end the call and, and just be wiped, just completely wiped up. And one day it finally, I became conscious of this, you know, and she started in and, and I just, I said, mom, you can't do this to me. She didn't, she had no idea what I was talking about. So you can't just call me and dump this stuff on me. And, and, you know, what are you doing about it? And that was a question she didn't like. And she didn't like that, you know, I, I wasn't willing anymore to, to listen to just the constant complaints. Mm -hmm. And it's one thing, you know, to, to, to vent. It's another thing to just be complaining. And that complaining is a habit. And uh, I told her, you can't do this to me anymore. And we hung up. And I didn't hear from her again for probably six months. Wow. But you know what? It was a, it was a free and easy six months. <laughs> <laughs> and then when she called, you know, then she was better for a while. Um, she still, it's a program. She laps back into it, you know, but I could call her on it then after that. I'd say, no, 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 you can't, no, you got to talk about something else. You can't talk about this. You know, and it made, essentially, I took over the phone calls. I started driving the bus, you know, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and that's what you have to do. You have to, you have to point it out to people and, and some people are, are going to be okay with it and, and own it. And other people are going to deny it. And, 
you may wave goodbye to them in your life. It's just a, a reality, but your life will be better for it. It's yeah. very unlikely that they are major contributors to your happiness and at the same time just be complaining about everything. Uh, pretty unlikely. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. I, like I said, I've, I've let go people and, you know, my mother was like that and she's now deceased, but I have a brother and he's like that. And, and honestly, I just, I stopped answering his calls because it mm-hmm. was always some kind of negativity. And the crazy thing is, so I have two brothers, my eldest brother, he and I are very close, very much alike, always have been. And this brother that I'm talking about now is my brother next to me, who was a lot like my mom. So last year, my brother, eldest brother turned 60. His wife throws him a a surprise birthday party. I fly out there as a surprise. My other brother shows up. And would you not know it? I haven't seen him in years. And you know, the first thing out of his mouth was something he was complaining about. (laughs) And I was, you know, and if, you know, he went on and went on. And I guess he saw that the disinterest in my face. And finally he said, well, what do you think about that? Or should I just let it go? I said, just let it go. Mm-hmm. You know, and then like you, I, I said, I'm going to drive this this train. So I turned it on something else like, you know, hey, you know, the weather's great. So just something that wasn't complaining. And yeah. I I was just going, oh, my. And I'm thinking, OK, we're here to celebrate my other brother. And he's making this all about him. And finally, I just had the the party. I just had to leave him. And, it, and then my other brother tells me as we're talking about it, he goes, yeah, he went to other people at the party and start complaining. Yeah, about the same Absolutely. Thing. I'm going, what? (laughs) We need to have a long conversation off the, off the record. I mean, that was, that was what my mother would do uh, her whole life. She would find somebody who would listen to her complaints and that's, you know, she would just dump on them all the time. And then eventually that person would get tired of it. And then she would suddenly they're the enemy. They're the bad guy now. And she would find somebody else to listen. And, you know, some poor unfortunate individual who doesn't know any different starts listening and, and next thing you know, they're sucked in and, and can't get away for a while. <laughs> but she would go from one person to the next, to the next. And, and, uh, uh it was sad. Yeah. She, she volunteered to me one day that she had been rear ended in a car, um, six or seven times. And I thought, well, that's probably not other people's fault. Mm. You know, there's a pattern here. <laughs> what's what's the common denominator? It's got to be something about your driving. Wow. So, yeah, yeah that and it's yeah, it's it, one of the great things though to to slightly change this um, is for anybody who who maybe who hears this who thinks you know some of this uh, you know strikes a chord and, and maybe I should look into this a little bit, but I don't I don't feel like feeling bad about myself or my life or anything like that. One of the things that I like to, to remind people about or tell them is that, you know, when you start to dig into this stuff, um, as soon as you start to make a little change in the beginning, especially you see change in your life, right? You see, you see positive things happen immediately. And so you're able to get excited about it. And you want to dig in and get more. And it's, it's a really fun uh, place to be at, you know, when, when these lights start to come on for you and you go, oh, I don't, you know, I don't, this, this stuff doesn't have to bother me anymore. You know, I'm, st- I'm annoyed like crazy at the little things in life that 
shouldn't be happening, right? Somebody has decided not to do their job. And so somebody else has to do it for them, mm-hmm. right? That stuff makes me crazy, but the big stuff, big stuff happens. I don't, I don't, I'm able to just accept it and deal with it and move on. And I am so grateful for that because you save yourself just so much grief and anxiety and, and you don't grow old so fast, you know? That's true. That's true. Okay. So we're going to shift gears a little bit because yeah, we can go on to this, but I see that you mentor youth. Tell Mm -hmm. me about that because that's something that I like to do as well. It's, it's honestly, it's not something I have a lot of experience with, but um, the best story I have about it and really what kind of sent me down the road in wanting to do it is um, while I was unemployed and, um, and after I decided, you know, I, I, I need to create some sort of a speaking career, I, I found uh, an opportunity to do a couple of presentations at a school for, um, um, what do they call it? Just uh, challenged kids, kids with, with, you know, they got family problems, they got their gang members and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, so they put me into a classroom and it was a mix of uh, kids and uh, parents. Um, the second presentation actually had a, a parole officer standing there. Um, and, and these guys, it was a mix of kids that were basically good kids and some that were just, you know, they, they just were not going anywhere. Um, a couple of them came in, sat down in the back, pulled their hoods, uh, their sweatshirts, you know, down over their faces and just went to sleep. Um, but so I started talking and I honestly don't remember really what I was talking about. It kind of morphed as, as I was going, but we got into the idea of, you know, thoughts creating your life. And, um, I brought up, uh, think and grow rich from Napoleon Hill and nobody in the room had ever heard of him, of course. And so I was talking about that and, and there was a kid right in front of me. I still remember his face he, you, you see the eyes go up, you know, and the head kind of tilts back and you can see that he's thinking about something and he gets this little smile comes on his face, you know, and I just, and I was approached afterwards by another kid and one of the parents and stuff wanted to know more. And so I left that just feeling, you know, I want to do more of that because you're, you're, it, this sounds hokey. It sounds cliche, but that's how you change the world. It's nobody there is, is necessarily because of what I said, nobody there is going to go out and be the next Steve jobs or anything else, but you've, you plant a seed and with a little bit of luck, they think it's interesting and they go look for where else can I find more of these seeds, you know, and, and, and the world changes a little bit. And, um, I'm the way I'm wired. I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm, I don't need to be, uh, I don't need to be some big Titan of industry or something or some big, you know, leader of a crusade. Um, I'm happy to be contributing and, and feel like I've played a part and it doesn't matter so much whether I get credit for anything or not. Um, so that's, that's kind of, um, that was the, the genesis. And um, so I'm, I'm part of a project right now where uh, there's a woman here in San Diego who put this together where a bunch of people wrote, it's called letters to me. 
and it's uh, a letter to yourself that you wish you would have received. It's advice you wish you would have received from somebody else when you were young. And uh, so she's, that book has been published and, and now we're beginning a uh, sort of a speaking tour for schools in the area and, and libraries and things to go out and just sort of spread the ideas and, and um, give younger people, uh, you know, something new to, to, to think about. Because generally speaking, everybody's getting the same crap that we took in when we were kids. You know, mm-hmm. nothing much has changed. So, wow. but it just takes people going out and, and doing a little here and there. Right. Excellent. Excellent. Um, tell me about your podcast. Uh, okay. Um, well, I'm about to launch a, a new one, but that hasn't started yet. So we'll talk about the the previous one. Okay. Um, I am a believer that nothing in this world, this is not a huge conversation, but nothing in this world is, is truly physical. Right? When you, if you take an electron microscope and you start drilling down into you know, cells and atoms and, and what's in the atom and what's in the proton and what's in this and what, there are particles after particles after particles and everything is smaller and smaller and smaller and farther and farther apart and moving faster and faster. We've got, I, I was astounded. I, I found out fairly recently that scientists have never seen an electron. Hmm. They can prove that they exist, right? They have evidence of what happens after, I guess. And these things that all these tests that they're doing, the super collider, the hadron, whatever, you know, all these things, these quarks, and all the stuff that they're just, they've, they've never seen any of this stuff. All they can see is the evidence based on the tests they created. And the more they, they investigate, the more they find out there's all the stuff we don't know about yet. And there are the reason, the only reason that this, this particular element particle can do what it does has to be that there's something else that we never even considered. And now we got to go figure out what that is. And that turns out to be a thousand times smaller than this thing. And, and it's, it never ends. And so there is nothing in this world that is truly, truly physical. Um, I saw something one day, probably two years ago now, they were, somebody had asked a question on, like, I think it was on Quora.com. And it said, you know, if you took all of the, the uh, physical particles of all of the human beings on Earth and you jammed them all together and there was no space, how, how big would it be? How much would it weigh? And somebody with a propeller growing out of his head did the math. And they said that it would be like infinitely heavy. It would just go straight to the center of the core of the earth, you know, but uh, it would be a cube, a little bigger than a sugar cube. And I read that and I thought, I think he's wrong. I don't, (laughs) I don't think you'd even be able to make a cube out of it because there isn't, it doesn't really exist. So that there's a phrase that's really common in all the, the sort of, you know, what used to be called new age um, circles. It's like, you know, you're not a human being, you're a physical being, an energetic being having a physical experience. And I think that's true. And so um, my podcast is a long way around answering your question, but my podcast is called the universe between your ears. And it really comes out of this idea that your universe is what you create it to be. Because nobody, 
you are nothing but energy. So all of your experiences are just things that you have created, you know, in your mind, whatever that truly is. And so it's the universe is between your ears. What do you want to, what do you want to experience that you, you can, you have the ability to experience anything you want to experience. We just don't, we have these beliefs and things that, you know, we can't, you know, you could wake up tomorrow morning and be the queen of England if you wanted to be, but you don't believe it. So um, anyway, friend and I, um, he and his wife were running a, an Abraham Hicks uh, meetup and we would get into these discussions there and, and um, sometimes it would start to get really good and juicy and, and the problem is that the Abraham Hicks material, if you're familiar, it's really this kind of surface material. These discussions we would get into, we're starting to dig deep and then inevitably somebody in the group would kind of get nervous about it and say, can we go back to Abraham? And, and uh, so we left a, more than one uh, of these sessions just feeling a little frustrated. And I finally had the, the light bulb come on and I turned to him. I said, you want to do a podcast? Because we can just have these conversations, you know, and nothing else. We can talk about whatever we want for as long as we want to who we want. And so he said, yeah, let's do it. And so that's, that's what we did. So we spent a year um, talking with amazing people who for the most part, nobody's ever heard of, but people with amazing lessons to, to teach and, and experiences and, and um, from all walks of life. And it just was an amazing growth experience. Um, I learned I learned really it's a, to step up and, and drive, step up and drive the bus. Um, and it just, it, it was great. And so we had a lot of fun doing it and we had conversations. Very few of them lasted less than an hour. Um, cause we'd get into stuff like this. You get into stuff that's just, there's so many layers and so many directions you can go and, and, and ours was unscripted also. And, and so somebody would say something that was interesting and we'd take a turn and we'd shoot off and chase that idea for a while. And so um, it just was really, really fun. And uh, we took a hiatus at the end of the year. Um, one, because we had enough recorded that it would take us through the end of the year and the holidays were coming. And, and uh, since then, we just haven't had the ability to coordinate schedules again so we could go back and, and, and start it up. Um, but it's called the universe between your ears and, and uh, I don't know, that's that. It may be a one year, there's 50, I think there's 52 episodes. Uh, it, that may be all we ever do, but it was a lot of fun. Oh, so what is your new podcast about if you want to talk about that? The, the new one is going to be about personal growth mm-hmm. and it's going to be a slightly different format. Um, it's just me and uh, and I'll have guests but um, it's going to be a different sort of presentation than the other one. The other one was just uh, we all sat down and, and have a conversation and it lasted until it died. Um, but this one is going to be a little more structured and, and it's going to be uh, there'll be a lot less of the getting to know you stuff and a lot more of here's, here's a, a very uh, sort of constrained topic. Let's dig deep on this. Hmm. Okay. Well, since we're talking about personal growth and personal, let's go into the personal questions I have for Uh-oh. you. Oh, well, look at the time I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't get off that easy. <laughs> okay. Who or what motivates you? Mm. I, 
you know, that the answer, I, I, I'm afraid of the answer to a lot of these things is going to start with it depends. Um, I am less motivated uh, by money than I am by uh, making a difference somehow. Um, uh, I'm less motivated by, by production of something than I am um, enjoying what I'm doing. Um, it, it's really, the older I get, the more it just becomes about, um, am I going to enjoy doing this, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. What demotivates you? Uh, um, probably would be fair to say that like quotas, um, you know, you've got this job and you've got to, you got to meet these deadlines. And, um, if they're realistic, it's one thing. If they're, if they're just designed to push you and grind you into dust and, uh, you know, that's going to demotivate the heck out of me. Um, having to deal with people who, who don't want to hear what other people have to say. Uh, that's, that's difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. When was a time that something was said or done to hurt you, but it worked out for your good? Hmm. That's really tough. Um, I tend to just not hold on to stuff consciously. So honestly, I'm having a little difficulty digging something like that up. Okay. Um, Maybe we can try coming back to that and see if I can, something comes around. Okay. What is your fear? Um, you know, I've had, when I was a kid, we were really poor, um, and money for a very long time was always an issue. Um, so it kind of depends on how you, you define the word fear, but, um, you know, not being able to pay bills Mm -hmm. is, is incredibly stressful. Um, you know, during that, that time frame when I was out of work, um, I paid for a lot of things on credit cards, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of things. And it's, it takes years to, to get that back, you know, to pay it all off. So uh, I'm still working on that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, Is there a time when you wish you had done something that you didn't? Yes. Um, there's probably more than one. The first thing that pops into my head is old. I, when I was uh, might have, probably a sophomore in high school, I was around 16. Somebody in that group had was at least 16 because we were driving. Um, it was uh, August. I love football, and I was fast and had good hands, and and uh, I could have been a receiver or a running back or something. Um, and there were three or four of us that we heard that high school football practice had started, you know, they were getting ready to do tryouts or whatever. And so we drove up to the school and we turned in, they had parking lot that faced the end zone and we pulled up there and it was probably 85 degrees in Chicago. And so the humidity was, you know, 90% or whatever. And, 
And we sat there for a few minutes and watched these guys in full pads doing these drills. And they weren't, they weren't out playing football. They were doing these sort of sideways leapfrog things. And you, you jump sideways over somebody and roll and back and forth, you know, and sprints. And, and we kind of all, as I remember it, we all just sort of looked at each other and just went like, mm, no, <laughs> let's not. But that I wish I had done it. I wish I had done it because, um, that would have been that would have been good for me. Okay. But, you know, today people are much bigger, and I'd have been just snapped like a twig. But uh, <laughs> back then they were more my size, and it would have been I could have competed. Okay. Is there a time that you wish you had not done something? Um, yeah. Um, it was really stupid. The first thing that comes to my mind. Uh, Girlfriend and I were moving into an apartment and we had moved a few things in and a friend of ours was, was helping us and she wasn't there. I don't remember the whole scenario, but she wasn't there, but one of the upstairs neighbors had left and it's just a small building and probably, I don't know, four to six apartments there. And uh, so it was owned by a single person and uh, somebody had left. A, a new vacuum cleaner in a box in the stairway. And I let my friend talk me into taking the thing. You know, we took it into our apartment and stuck it into a, a closet. And um, of course the person called the landlord and well, who would do this? Everybody else is already established here. Let's take a look in here. And they found it and, and we never got to move in. Um, yeah, I wish I'd never done that. It was really stupid. We didn't truly need it. Um, but there you are. Okay. What is your definition of success? Uh, okay, that's another it depends thing. Um, depends on, you know, where, what area of life. Um, I, maybe if there's a general, it's going to be something along the lines of, um, feeling good about whatever it is that I've done, um, not being stressed um, more than you know, more than you truly need to be, um, and uh, you know, able to pay the bills without struggle. I don't need to be a super millionaire. I just need to have enough money coming in that I don't have to worry about paying paying my bills and. Uh, you know, I can feel like I'm living pretty well. Okay. So success would be, you know, being in a position where, where it's easy to be happy. Okay. How do you recharge? I'm mostly an introvert. So um, I don't need to be out and doing parties and things much. Uh, if I go to a party, I'm happy to be standing, you know, in the corner of the room just watching people. Um, I get... Uh, one of the big recharges is to have conversations like this where, uh, you know, you can explore new ideas and things with somebody and bounce stuff off. And instead of somebody going, oh, that's, that's stupid. What's, what do you think about that kind of crap for? Um, they go, oh, wow, never thought of that. Hmm. What about this? <laughs> you know, and you can, you, you come away from that stuff or, or, or conversations where people are respectful, have but they're, they're passionate about different perspectives on the same idea. And so you can have these 
these energetic arguments, but you're still friends when you're done. Okay. What are you awesome at? What am I awesome at? You know, um, I don't know. I'm pretty good at, at dealing with people. And um, I mean, I've been doing support work, IT work for a long time. And one of the things that I've learned there is that, is that people are less concerned about whether or not you're able to fix their problem in the moment than they are about whether or not you give a damn. Um, because not every, everything you run into is something you're going to be able to fix right then and there. But if they feel like when you tell them, uh, you know, I don't know, but let me find out and, you know, we'll get it fixed. They are far more likely to say, okay, appreciate it. Thank you. Than they are if you say, uh, oh, well, let's just try something. And, you know, or if you blow smoke at somebody, so I'm pretty good at, at, calming people down and, and, and helping them to, to, I don't know, I suppose just to feel a little better. Um, I don't know. I, I, that's a tough question. I, I'll have to put some, some more thought into what I'm awesome at and then get back to you. Okay. What legacy do you want to leave? You know, <laughs> It's that change in the world thing. I really, if I can feel like I've done some work of some kind that people see value in, then I think I'll be happy. Um, yeah, I, I really don't care whether my name lives on in lights or anything, but um, if I can feel like I've made a difference for for a few people, a significant difference, then I think I'll be happy. Okay. Well, those were great. Tim, give the listeners one motivational takeaway. Well, we kind of already said the primary thing. Um, you know, you, you, well, let's go here. You, you can change your life no matter who you are, where you are, what your circumstances are. You can change your life. There are people doing it every single day from the worst of circumstances. And it just takes paying attention to the things you think about and the things that you take in, whether you're watching television or talking to people or reading or whatever, um, you know, and, and put a little bit of mental effort into trying to think of things that are, are less, I'm not going to say think happy thoughts, just think of things that are less ugly. And you will see your life change. Great. Tim, tell the listeners how they can connect with you and your social media platforms. Um, the best thing is just go to timcstar.com, uh, stars with one R. And from there, uh, you can... That's the easiest thing to start there and you can uh, go out from that. Uh, there's links to the podcast and things there. So, Okay. Well, Tim, 
we're done but i no! think yeah, i know we could have gone on forever <laughs> oh my goodness but thank you for thank just you. taking time out of your day to um speak with me i really enjoyed our conversation thank you me too appreciate right. it have a great day thanks if you like trina talk please don't forget to go out to apple Podcasts to rate and review i want to hear from you so if you're loving it Please let me know what you think. Let me know if there's any suggestions and how I can better serve you to give you that motivation and inspiration that you need. Also, who else in your life do you know that needs motivation and inspiration? Share the podcast with them as well. I hope you have a great week. And remember, if you change your mindset, you can change your life. Keep striving because success is a journey, not a destination. You can listen to Trina Talk anytime and anywhere. It's available on iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, Spotify, and all other places that you can listen to podcasts. If you like the podcast, please don't forget to go to iTunes to subscribe, rate, review, and share. If you have questions for me or need inspiration on how to go to the next level, tweet me directly at Trina L. Martin.